when Jesus appeared at that point, he didn't stay in heaven and let his light shine where there was already light. He came right in the middle of the place where we needed him, where we were living in darkness, stumbling around and hurting ourselves and living in the shadow of death. When it says, in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned, that, that really struck me of saying that the light has dawned, because what does dawn mean? I'm, I'm not an early morning person, so I haven't seen a whole lot of sunrises. We had, we had a funny story, actually. Uh, Pam and I went to the beach one year. And we were staying in this place on the beach where, I don't know, were we on the 7th or 8th floor, whatever it was. And every morning we were there, we were just tired. We'd been out and eating out and being at the beach and swimming in the ocean. We were tired. And we are like, man, we need to get up and see the sunrise over the ocean one morning. So was it our next to last or last day there? We get up. She wakes me up super early. And she's like, let's get down. We'll walk down the beach. And then we'll see the sun come up over. And we did. It was awesome. There was the first little peak of the sun coming up over the water. And then we realized, like, you could see that from the balcony of the hotel every single day. You, you didn't have to get up and get down there and get dressed and get out to the ocean and walk on the beach. But I know that the dawn means the rest of the day is coming. Daylight is on the way. If you're an early riser, you know what it looks like. Nick, you know what it looks like driving that truck in the middle of the night and then the dawn starts to appear. You start to see this glow. And that's what happened when Jesus came. The light began to dawn. It's, Jesus came and the kingdom of God dawned on the earth. And what that means is it's coming. There is something about the daylight and the light that is about to shine and break forth everywhere. And when it dawns in our lives... When we talk about Jesus being the light, and, and we've been living in darkness, we've been in the shadow of death, and his light dawns upon us, that means we can be confident that daylight is on the way. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen in darkness, what's going to happen in the middle of the night. The Bible talks all the time about the deeds done in darkness and the, and the things that we are children of the light. We don't need to be involved in those things. And there, sometimes people are living in this place of fear and anxiety, and they need the light to dawn in their lives. Everything on earth doesn't look like it's a product of the daylight yet. But things are getting better because when Jesus came and fulfilled this prophecy of Isaiah, the light dawned on the earth. And that means we have a hope and a trust that the light is getting brighter and brighter as we live and as we shine. So that was what Isaiah said about it. And then here is how John actually described the coming of Jesus, the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. Who is he talking about when he says the Word? Jesus. Thank you very much. You guys, that, that could be another name of Jesus for a whole nother week of calling himself the word of God. But it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. There, there are other, uh, I'll take a detour for a second. How many of you have had the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door? And, and they want to talk to you, oh, read this verse with me and let's look at and reason together. They have a whole different translation of the Bible where John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was a God. The Jehovah's Witnesses are not worshiping the same Jesus that we know and serve. All right, I'll just move right along from that. Come on, they... They are trying to find who God is. They, they want to know. I think there is a desperate longing in the heart of every person to know who Jesus is and to have the Father revealed to them. But this is a verse that we base 
our Christianity on part of this verse because Jesus himself was God. He came wrapped in flesh, walked on this earth, and he is the one that has always existed from the very beginning. And that's what John is talking about Jesus. And it says, he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Every single piece of existence came into being through Jesus Christ. If you can see or think of something, whatever you can see or think of, it came because Jesus created it. And that's when he came into the world. That's the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. It goes on in verse 4. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. This light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The, the life of Jesus brings light to us. All those times when we've been stumbling around in the dark trying to figure out life on our own. How do these pieces fit together? How do I interact with these people? How am I ever going to get ahead in life? And I feel like I'm just running the race without being able to see where I'm going. Jesus' life brings light to us. and enables us to see what's happening. The way he lived and the things that he did illuminated the life that's available for us. Come on. If we are not if we are not experiencing the same life that we see Jesus living, there is more for us. And I, I don't know why we don't see the fullness of it all the time. That could be another day for another theological argument, but I just know Jesus is the pattern. When we see that life that's available to us, that is the standard that we should be believing for and expecting. When we pray, when we declare, when we share with people, that is the life that we're after because he came as the light to the world and demonstrated it. He came into the darkness and the darkness couldn't put out the light. I don't know what you're wrestling with right now, but I believe it's very important how we talk. And if our conversation empowers darkness we need to repent and change the way that we talk and what do i mean by that like oh that situation is hopeless that guy will never get saved i i witnessed to him 20 times and he just laughs and shuts the door in my face come on we say these things and we're actually we don't realize it but we're empowering the darkness oh those those laws will never change that situation can't there's no hope for that at all and we need to change how we're speaking because we've been given the light. We've been given the name above every other name to speak and declare things. I was thinking this week, there's people that have said, oh, the, the laws about abortion will never change in this nation. It's just too far gone. We need to change how we're talking and begin to declare that Jesus is the life and he wants us to embrace and love life and to demonstrate that. And I, I will say, I know it's been in the news and it's a hot topic right now. I will say that, yes, I'm, I'm excited that there are people taking a stand for pro-life right now like never before. And, and new laws being passed will save babies. But there's still work to do because laws don't change people's hearts. And that's part of our job as the church. No matter what the laws are, we need to love people and embrace them and share the light with them until their heart changes. And then we will see reformation happen in our nation. So that's just my little commercial about what's been going on with the abortion laws and the pro-life debate and everything. I'm, I'm excited that babies are going to be saved, but we need to love people until Jesus changes their heart. And that's what will really make a difference. So we need to be declaring that the light is coming, that things are getting better, that 
there is hope for every circumstance that we see in our lives because we have the name of Jesus. There is nothing that's impossible for him to change. And here's just one story I wanted to share about Jesus being the light in in a situation that looked impossible. In John chapter 9, I want to read a few verses there. He had just come off of a meeting with the Pharisees. They got ticked off because he actually used the name I Am, uh, which was the name they had reserved for God. And it says they wanted to kill them, and Jesus just quietly slipped away from them. And he moved out into the crowd. And it says in John chapter 9, verse 1, as Jesus was going along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Talk about an impossible-looking situation. Here was a guy that had never seen in his life. He had been blind from birth. He didn't even know what he was missing. Come on, if you asked him, what's it like to see? What's it like? What's the light look like? What are these colors? He had no idea because he had been blind from birth. And they come along him on the side of the road and the disciples are stirred to ask the question, what, why is this guy blind? Is it because his parents sinned or did he sin? And I want to tell you that that is the mindset that the law had produced in the disciples. The, the mindset that they had been growing up with is that everything that happens is based on how you act. And that's religious thinking. If, whatever they had been raised in, 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 under the law of Moses, they came to a place where all they could see in that guy's blindness was, well, this must be the fault of something he did. Is it him or his parents? And Jesus corrects their thinking. And in verse 3, he says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Jesus sets us free from thinking that everything that happens in life is a retribution for how you act. There, there is a principle, there's a kingdom principle of sowing and reaping, but Jesus is not up there saying, hey, I'm, I'm trying to balance out these cosmic scales. You know, if you did this good thing, we'll weigh it on this side. You Oh, but you did this bad thing, so something bad's going to happen to you. Come on. We serve a God of grace, not karma. Can, can we just, as, as Christians, can we quit saying, oh, well, they're going to get what they get because of karma. Like, that's not godly. That is a whole different religion and set of beliefs. There is grace in our lives that one of the, one of the exciting benefits of the good news of the gospel is we don't get what was coming to us. Come on. And Jesus says, hey, this guy, he didn't sin and it wasn't his parents' fault. He was just born blind. Sometimes that happens. And it's an opportunity for the kingdom to be put on display, for the works of God to be done in that moment. My mom told me she was just talking with somebody this week that thought the, the pain they were experiencing and the sickness they were going through was because they had been in not having compassion about somebody else earlier in their life that was sick. Like, oh, I told that person to quit whining about being sick, so that's why I'm sick now. Come on, it doesn't work that way in the kingdom. That's worldly thinking, that's legalistic thinking, like, oh, I did this, so this must be going to happen in my life. And Jesus sets us free from that, and he gives us things that we can never earn on our own. No matter what good works you could ever put on that side of the scale, you could never earn the life that he releases to us. Oh, that's a good word right there. So Jesus goes on in that verse in chapter, four, in chapter 9, verse 4. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. And watch this. He says, night is coming when no one can work. 
Most, most scholars that you read will say when he talks about night is coming, he's specifically talking about his death and the three days that he's going to spend in the tomb. Hey, that's, it's going to look like night. There's not going to be any work happening because I'm going to be in the grave doing things that you can't imagine. And so night was on the way, but Jesus makes this statement. He says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus came to dispel the darkness and bring the light to our lives. And the night was coming. It was only going to be a three-day period. The night was not a 2,000-year period after Jesus died. Come on, we're, we're not living in the night right now. This is, this is the time to work. Miss Lillian's word this morning of we are in the army. He's calling up the reserves to get in the front line. This is not the night. If this is the night and Jesus isn't working right now, then Christianity is just a set of tips on how to be nice to each other. There, there is something about Jesus' work that's ongoing in this moment. Yes, there was a period that the disciples literally experienced. This feels like the night. Our friend has been crucified and laid in that tomb, and we're running away. We're scared. We're helpless. I've denied him. I feel bad about it. Whatever it was, they experienced that night. But he didn't stay in the grave. He got up and walked out of the tomb, and the light reappeared into the world. Man. So he affirms it. He says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I I love that verse because he wasn't just the light of his 12 followers. He wasn't just the light of Jerusalem at that time in history. He says, I am the light of the world. I came for everyone everywhere. In verse 6, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Everybody say, ooh. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Like, if, well, anyway, Jesus was a real guy and he did this. He spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Man, Jesus is amazing. And I think he often did things differently to remind us that it's about a relationship not just a formula. Come on, if it was about a formula, we would have a little box of dirt and a little box of spittle up here and we'd have mud and spittle healing services every week. Come on, if it was just about a formula, like that's the way it works every single time we do this and God performs that. Jesus demonstrated, hey, there's something different at all times. And I don't know why he made mud in the ground. I've read some scholars that say maybe the guy needed a creative miracle or had no eyes or had no corneas. And and same thing that God did in the garden with the dust when he formed man. Jesus took the dust and formed new eyes and put it on the guy. I don't know why he did it, but I know that he saw the father do it. And he says, I'm going to do what the father does. And I'm going to do it this way this time because it's not a formula. It's about being in relationship with me. And when I say, do it this way, do it that way, and you'll see amazing results. And it says, he told the guy, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and then you'll come home seeing. And the guy did it, and I I saw his response to that, of going and washing in the pool. And I thought, any time that we respond to what Jesus asks us to do, we begin to see more. We begin to hear his voice more clearly. We see his activity. We see breakthrough. And it all comes off of us being a response to what he's asking us to do. And sometimes we we overcomplicate it. We think God's going to ask us this huge, monumentous, difficult task. 
Like, oh, if you just go run for president one day or you, you move this mountain over here shovel by shovel over to that space, you know, you'll be good enough for me to do something. And sometimes it's as simple as go wash your face in that pool. Come on. How many of us would do that to see a healing come in our lives? Man, that's all I got to do is go out to the water fountain and splash some water in my eyes. Sure, I could do that. And any time that we respond, no matter how big or how simple it is, what God has asked us to do, we find that we begin to see. And clarity comes into our lives and we begin to realize, oh, I know what he was after in this. I see what he wants me to do next. I see this breakthrough coming. And the secret is just respond to what he asks us to do. And I, you can go back and read the rest of that story in, in John chapter 9 later. You know, later on, the religious leaders ask him, like, who did this to you and how did this happen? And the guy, I don't know, but I, I read the scripture and I think about real people saying these things and, and I picture the guy that got healed being a little sarcastic because they're like, how did this happen to you? And he's like, oh, you know, do you want to be Jesus's followers too? Is that why you're asking me? And that really ticked them off. They got mad. They wanted to kill him and, and they were going to be angry at him. And famously at the end of that story, that's where the guy says, hey, I don't know any of the rest of that, but one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And it's the same thing that Jesus does in our lives. I can't explain the, the transaction of how it happened exactly at the cross. I don't know all the things that went into the plan of God that arranged it. All I know is I was blind and now I see. I was lost and now I'm found. I was in a place where I was broken and now I'm whole because Jesus came and did something in my life. And our response to him sees it flow in our lives. I'd, I'd like... I like to think about the spiritual application of that being blind and then seeing. And I'm going to tell you, there is a real application to that too. Part of being the light and caring what Jesus asked us to do, we should have an expectation that when we pray, stuff will happen for people. I've, I've prayed and seen blind eyes open. Uh, we were on a mission trip to Tanzania. And, it, and African people are, are funny because they don't respond like with all these shouts and jumping up and down. This woman comes up and she's like, I'm asking the translator, what's the matter with her? And they say, oh, well, she can't see. Like, she doesn't, she can't see further than that away from her face. And so we prayed, like, because that's what I was there to do on a mission trip. So we pray and the lady says, can you see now? The interpreter asks her and she's like, yes. And I'm thinking, this would be awesome. Like, I'd be jumping up and down, like, hey, I'm going to go get my driver's license renewed, get those contact lens restrictions off of there or whatever. But she's just like, yes, I can see now. You're holding up two fingers. Like, that's awesome to see, but it's an expectation that we should have. I don't think, I don't think that happened because I went to Africa. I think that happened because Jesus was there. And the same thing that happened there, we should expect to see here, when we pray for sick people, when we share the gospel and the good news with people, there should be stuff that happens that we can't explain any other way than Jesus showed up and did something. So all I know is I was blind, but now I can see. And then because we're talking about the names of Jesus and how they impact our lives, if Jesus is the light, this is what Jesus said as far as how it impacts us. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, or verse 14 in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you are. Man, can, like really work it up this time though. Turn to somebody and say it like you really believe it and you mean it. You are the light of the world. 
Why, why do we have such a hard time sometimes believing what Jesus speaks over us? He turns to his disciples and says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. The, the Passion Translation actually says, Your lives light up the world. What an awesome thought that when we go out of this place, we carry light with us that lights up the world. He passes the baton to his disciples. He had just gotten done telling them, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he turns and looks at them, and he's getting ready to go. He's getting ready. He knows the cross is in front of him. He knows he's returning to the Father. And he passes the baton. He looks at the disciples and says, you are the light of the world. The same thing that people saw when I was walking here, they're going to see through your lives now. What he has started, he's telling them it's going to keep going because it's in you now. You carry me with you. In verse 16 in Matthew chapter 5, he says, in the same way, the same way as putting the bowl and, and the light up on the stand to give light to the house. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Huh. Our actions actually influence how much praise the Father gets. What a responsibility we carry that the things we do can cause people to give glory to God. The Bible consistently tells us, live as children of the light. Get rid of the deeds of darkness in our lives. He tells us to get rid of the deeds of darkness out of our lives, not because we're trying to earn his favor, but because it's not becoming for children of the light to live that way and do certain things. And he tells us that we are the light of the world. And he sends us out from this place so that others in the world don't have to stay in darkness either. He wants us to be an example to them. This is the life that's available to you. This is what Jesus did to change the things that you're going through and experiencing in your life. He has eternal life that he wants to release into your lives. This is the the action item I want us to carry out this week is as we're thinking about Jesus being the light and then he turns around and says that we are the light. Uh, Just like I talked about a little bit earlier, the action item this week, I want us to declare the power of the light over a dark situation this week. And it could be something in your own life that you're wrestling with or dealing with. Maybe, maybe there's a broken relationship. Maybe there's somebody that's not saved that you know. It's a friend or a loved one that you're like, man, they just, they need to know Jesus so badly. And maybe we've written it off or maybe we haven't thought about it in a long time. But I want us to begin to declare that the light would break into the darkness in that situation. I know a lot of people, just because it's practical, maybe your finances are in a dark place. And you're thinking, man, I don't know how the bills are going to get paid next month. I really like putting food on the table for my family. You need to declare light into the darkness of that situation. I've had a couple people share recently, they've they've had testimonies and breakthrough in in areas where in their family relationships, things have been broken for a long time and things, the light has dawned. Things are starting to change a little bit. The, The daytime is on the way. Maybe you've got a situation like that, that you need to say, hey, that's enough of the darkness being in my life. I'm going to begin to believe and speak light into that situation. I know we could go around the room and there's probably a hundred different situations that darkness is trying to creep back in and we just need to be the people of the light to speak and declare it. 
Let's go ahead and stand together in this place. And we'll pray before we go. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in us. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Whatever situation may be popped into your mind, even as I was saying that, I just want you to think about it right now, and we're going to pray with you that even as you leave this place and declare the light in those circumstances, things are going to change. Father, we come before you right now. We are grateful to be your sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord, that you talked about taking us out of the kingdom of darkness and putting us into your kingdom. Lord, what a humbling thought it is to say that you, the the creator of the universe, the light of the world yourself, that you would entrust us to be light to represent you. Lord, as as we go from this place, God, I thank you that the darkness doesn't stand a chance, (laughs) that you've given us the power of your name, the light yourself, to begin to speak and declare and to see circumstances change, to see hearts transformed, to see lives uh, change from what they were to where you want them to be. God, I lift up every situation in this room that, that we're thinking of in our heart right now. I just thank you that you are the God of the possible, that the light can come into that situation and the darkness can't overcome it. Lord, we we speak healing to broken bodies and broken relationships. We speak life into finances, Lord God. We speak your will over our lives where things haven't been lined up and there's been darkness coming. We just declare that the dawn has happened and daylight is on the way. God, we thank you for the name of Jesus that is above every other name that no matter what circumstance we think of, it has to bow to the name of Jesus. God, let us live as light for you. As we leave this place, Lord, I thank you that we leave in power and confidence knowing that you are with us and that you are living your life through us. Let let us be witnesses to that, Lord God, that people would see us and know that you are alive. God, I bless your people right now. I thank you for your goodness being seen in our lives. And I thank you for your will being done here on earth, even as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen.